And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Wally Mayer stars The Adventures of Michael Shane Detective from 1945. But first, it's TV Jeopardy! Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular TV shows, and I'll try to name the show while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? That's right, Carl. So we have an interesting category for Movie Jeopardy today. We have movies with memorable birthday scenes, Mm. and I chose that because we have two birthdays coming up around here. Um, We've got Mike, and we have you. Ah. So in celebration of the birthdays, we've got uh, movies with birthday scenes. Okay. Here is your first clip. I want you to go as quietly as possible. Do not make a sound until I tell you to run. Then run as quickly as you can. Now, does everybody understand? Yes, teacher. Am I guessing the movie? Because this isn't a TV show. These are movies. Movies. Movie Jeopardy. Movies with memorable birthday scenes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, for... I know it. I know what it is. Of course you do. That is... Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. It absolutely is from 1963. Daphne Demelier. Yeah, that's right. So the younger sister of the main character is having a birthday party when the flock of birds swoops down to attack the children. I thought you were going to say flock of seagulls. Oh, I don't think so. And then Mike was going to play a flock of seagulls song. (laughs) No, 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 not this time. Mike Bubble Bath. No, not this time. He's busy. (laughs) All right. right. I'm up by one. Here you go. Here's your next clip. Jenna, what are you talking about? I want to be 30. Just let me play you this song, okay? It'll make you feel better. I want to be 30. 30 and flirty and thriving. Hmm. You don't know like, this. Is that Lindsay Lohan? 30 and no. thriving. 30 and flirty and thriving. No. 30 and flirty and thriving. I gave you a huge clue in that. I think it's like... 13 going on 30 or something? Yes. Like that? Is that what it is? That's what it's called. Oh, my. I didn't see this movie, but okay. I remember seeing the well, trailer. Well, that's true. That's Jennifer Garner. Okay. Um, as the adult who goes back about all being right. a 13-year-old who dreams of being popular and all that stuff. Right. And it's during like her you. birthday you party. Were popular no, school. I just dreamt of it. Right. And during her birthday party, she yeah. wishes she were 30 years old. Oh. And so that's what happens. Okay. And the magic dust makes her awaken at I didn't age see of 30. this, but... doesn't seem like a Carl movie. No. But it actually is really cute. Is it? <laughs> Your kids probably I don't like those it. kind of 
where they switch bodies and they become older or younger. No, most of I'm not us into parents those kind watched of it movies. with our children. You know, like... Um, no, I didn't watch it for me. I watched it with my oh, kids. Okay. I know you don't do that kind of thing. No. <laughs> okay. Let them watch their own thing. That's right. Here's your next own thing. Don't give me that pouty look of yours. You can eat your carrots when you get home. That's it? You don't have anything else to say to me today? What would you like me to say, Sam? Come on now, honey. You're going to miss the bus. Have a good day. Sounds like a scary movie. Is it no, a scary movie? No, it's not. I can't believe this. They, for- they forgot, they forgot my birthday. Oh! Right! Yeah! Right? That's Molly Ringwald. Yes! That's pretty in pink, right? <laughs> or one of those like that? Or it's, it's not. not well, but it's Molly Ringwald. It is Molly Ringwald, but um, that's not the movie. Oh, think about it. It's a birthday scene. Yeah. So it's uh, John Hughes. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. And she's uh, she's her sixteenth birthday. I, I and her know. family forgets. I know, but because I just... her older sister's getting married. Right. right. That was actually a good movie. It is a good movie. What is the name of it? Sixteen candles. Oh yeah, which makes 16, perfect sense for the birthday. Sixteen <gasps> candles. Is that a song? No, I, I didn't think so. <laughs> no idea. No, it didn't sound like I don't like know one. why these things uh, trigger in my mind that I must say them on the radio. Right. I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes you should think before you say the nah. things. That, no. That's going to get you I into some trouble. It. I know. You get in trouble that 16 way. 16 candles. Maybe you should a song. write a song I'm pretty sure like that, that is a song. No, I'm pretty sure you could write one, though. But I knew it was Molly Ringwald. You so did, but you don't any, get a point nothing? for that. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. I'm going to be tough grader. It's all right. All right. Here's your next movie. Great, Mom. <laughs> okay, birthday boy. We saw that at the store. I asked you for it. I wow, look at that. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be enough. Can we leave this up till we move? Well, sure. We can leave it yeah. up. Yeah. Now go get Molly. Your friends like are going to be cartoon? here any minute. Okay. Or it's, just, it's party time, It's right? animated. It's that's computer animated. Sounds animated. It is. Ah. ah. Jeez. Don't know it? I have no Again, you didn't see any movies no with your clue. children as they grew up? I haven't up. a clue. Well, I could tell it was an animated film, It is. Though. Pixar animation released right. by Walt Disney. Yeah. And Minions or something? I uh, no. Toy Story. Toy Story. Toy Story. <sighs> See, Andy's family's going to move, and it's uh-huh. his birthday, and all the toys are afraid they're going to get left behind in the move. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. It's been okay. a long time. I saw the movie, Did I you? think, a long time ago. I mean, this was ago. the first original Toy Story in 1995. most of it. I probably took my kids to see this. Right, and, and just fall asleep. I would take the... my kids and then just sleep in the show. It was great. I've done that before. Gosh, you get, you get, <laughs> just a, a few nods. You get a good, pretty well, good two hours. Well, now, with the chairs the way they are, yeah. yes. But back then, yeah, true. we didn't have seats like that. Mm-hmm. We sat in the old-fashioned red right. velvet seats. Showing our age. <laughs> I know. All right, here's your last movie. Love this. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair and your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. Oh, okay, so that's definitely like the kid Macaulay Culkin. Right? <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Is that yeah. Home Alone? It's not. I mean, that would have right? been a good guess, but it's not, it's home, not alone, home Alone. But it's that actor, correct? It's Macaulay, He's Macaulay Culkin. Culkin. He's been in other things besides Home Alone, and this is one of them. Um, I don't know. No. I don't know if maybe you didn't see it. It's Uncle Buck. 
Oh, yeah, that's John Candy. Right. Oh. That's, there's this special scene. I did scene see Uncle Buck. With the breakfast, and he creates a giant yeah. pancake and uses the, the snow shovel sure. to flip the pancake. Missed so, that one, too. Yeah. So what did I do? Get the first three and then miss the next three? Uh, I think you got the first two. That's all you got. Oh, the third five? one was 16 candles. There's five there? There were five here. Not ended yeah. too well. Well, it's a tough, it's a tough category. And I but, got a good nap but in But happy today. birthday. I got a good nap in. <laughs> All right, when we come back, thanks, Lisa. When we come back, Michael Shane, detective starring Wally Mayer. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf, my uh, co-host, Mike Bubble Bath Costella, executive producer, and my crabby brother, Vince. He's out there somewhere listening. Um, anyway, um, we have the Adventures of Michael Shane for you now, broadcast from 1945. This was a detective series. And it was created by Brett Halliday, the character was. And uh, Michael Shane was a reckless, red-headed Irishman. He was hard-boiled, you know, like uh, Sam Spade. He was Miami-based and was a vigilante detective, much like Mike Hammer. And Hugh Beaumont starred in a popular movie series that paved the way for a Michael Shane radio series in 1944, Lisa with Wally Mayer as Michael Shane and Kathy Lewis as his gal pal, um, Phyllis Knight was her name. In 1948, Jeff Chandler, who was playing Philip Boynton on Our Miss Brooks, starred in a revival series directed by Bill Russo, and that lasted only 26 episodes. Really good show. Um, One final version uh, aired on ABC starring Donald Curtis and later Robert Sterling. But we have the Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis version for you now. June 18th, 1945. Here is part one now of The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil, Union Oil Company present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. (laughs) 
Once, Mike Shane, San Francisco's favorite detective, is in his office high up in the Rust Building attending to business. Phyllis Knight, his easy-on-the-eyes assistant, is taking notes as their latest clients, inventor William Belsey and Miss Hess, try to explain the unexplainable. Now, let me get this straight, Miss Hess. You have been visiting your aunt in New York? Yes, for six months. I wired Daddy that I would arrive Wednesday, but I managed to get an earlier train and arrived Monday. And the house was all in order when you came home Monday at ten in the morning? Yes, that's right. I expected Daddy for dinner, but... Well, he didn't come home. You didn't call his office and tell him you had arrived earlier than expected? Oh, no. Daddy hated people in the family calling him at the office. And you weren't particularly worried when he didn't come home at all that night? Not particularly. Daddy often stayed at the club. But uh, you didn't call the club, hmm? No. So Monday night he didn't come home, all day Tuesday he didn't come home? Nor Tuesday night, nor all day Wednesday. So it was only because Mr. Belsey called you Wednesday night and said your father had an appointment with him and that your father hadn't showed up it was for that reason only that you started to worry. No, I wouldn't say that. I worried more and more as the time passed, but you must remember Daddy didn't expect me till Wednesday night. And his appointment wasn't with me exactly. I was going to be there naturally, but the appointment was with Mr. Hackert and Mr. Carter. As uh, I understand it, you, uh, you had an invention which Mr. Hess was going to finance? Actually, he did finance it. He advanced me the money I asked for. But I saw that my estimate was wrong, so I laid the cards on the table and gave Mr. Hess the chance to withdraw. And instead of withdrawing from the venture, he invited Carter and Hackett in on it, hmm? That's right. And I wanted them to think it over before they accepted the deal. It's pretty much of a gamble, you know. And uh, although Miss Hess maintains that her father hasn't been home since Monday, you saw him at lunchtime on Wednesday. Well, just for a second. We just happened to be lunching at the same cafe. Uh, you reminded him of the evening's appointment? He reminded me. So today you both decided to ask me to investigate. Well, the idea was Mr. Belsey's. He insisted that we do something, so I called the police, but Mr. Belsey said that that wasn't enough, and so we came to you. When did you notify the police? About 11 this morning. I'll get it. Mike Shane, private detective. Hello, Phyllis. Oh, hello, Inspector. Is Miss Hess still in your office? Why, yes, but how... Let me talk to her, Phil. Sure, Inspector. Uh, it's for you, Miss Hess. For me? Yes, Inspector. Here, you talk to him. Hello? Miss Hess? Can you come over to Oakland right away? Why, yes, I suppose so. It's important, Miss Hess. It's about your father. You... you mean you found him? Yes, I'm afraid so. Afraid? Then... then something's happened to him? Yes. Oh, serious? Very serious, Miss Hess. Your father is dead. Dead? You say Daddy's dead? Yes, Miss Hess, your father was murdered. Hello, Phil. Inspector. Hello. Thanks for bringing the young lady along. We won't keep you alone, Miss Hess. Just a matter of identification. Of course, from the cards and his wallet and other bits of information, we're certain. I understand. All right, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Is that your father, Miss Hess? Yes, Inspector. That's Daddy. Have you any idea as to who murdered him? No, not so far. We'll want to question you later, of course, to find out, well, whether or not he had any enemies. I'm ready to answer questions now. I'm not the hysterical type, Inspector. So I gather. Inspector. Yes? There, 
There's something different about father. And and not because... Not because he's dead and been in the water? No. I don't know what it is. Just, just different. I see. Has the inspector asked about the possibility of your father's enemies? He had none that I know of. How much do you know about Mr. Belsey and the other partners in this deal, Miss Hess? Mr. Carter and Mr. Hackett? Well, I don't know Mr. Belsey at all. I never spoke to him before he called up Wednesday night because Daddy hadn't, hadn't kept his appointment. You've known the others how long? Ever since I was going to high school. Mm. What, uh, what do you know about them? Well, nothing except that they seem nice. Mr. Shane. Inspector. Yes? I... I know what it is that's different. Oh? Yes? Daddy's coat, his overcoat, his umbrella and his glasses are missing. Well, under the circumstances, glasses and the umbrella being missing uh, is not surprising. Of course, he might not have been wearing his overcoat. Daddy always wore his overcoat. It was one of his distinguishing habits. He never went out without an overcoat. Do you know how many coats he had? Well, yes, he had three, unless he bought one while I was away. Do you mind if we go to your house right now? We might find something there in the nature of a clue. No, I have no objection. Okay. Inspector? Yes? You take Miss Hess. Right. Phyllis and I will take Belsey, and I think the sergeant ought to gather Carter and Hackett, too, don't you? The sergeant already called headquarters and asked them to locate them for good, us. Good, good. Then we'll all meet at your place on Pacific Heights. You uh, say, Mr. Belsey, that uh, everything was harmonious at the meeting between you, the murdered man, Hackard and Carter, on Monday night? Well, certainly. There was no reason for anything else. The meeting was held at Hackard's house. We were all agreed. I had the invention, they had the money, and they were willing to start right away. I just wanted them to think it over and take their time. What happened after the meeting? Why, nothing. It was cold, and I drove Mr. Hess over the Bay Bridge. He refused to let me drive him home, so I let him out at the key system depot, and he caught a taxi. You say it was cold? Uh, yes, it was. Tell me, was he wearing his overcoat? Why, no. Was he wearing his overcoat Wednesday when you saw him at lunch? Uh, yes, he was. Mike, hmm? I guess this is the house, the one with the white porch. There's the inspector's car in front. Oh, oh yes, yeah, Oh, there you are. Miss Hess is checking the closet for her father's overcoats. I said I'd show you into the living room. In this way. Hackett and Carter are on their way out, Mike. Good, good. Car just drove up outside. Two men getting out. Oh, that's them. Inspector, Daddy's dark blue overcoat's missing. Really? And so is his favorite umbrella. The one with the handle carved in the shape of an elephant. Did you say umbrella, miss? Yes, Sergeant. With the handle shaped like an elephant? That's right. What is it, Sergeant? Well, the headquarters just phoned. They found the umbrella and the overcoat with a pair of eyeglasses in the pocket. Where'd they find them, Sergeant? Washed up at the Yacht Club jetty in Sausalito. What? what? At Sausalito? Well, that's ten miles from, miles from where we found the body. That's funny. It's more than funny, Inspector. It's the first clue yet. The murderer's first mistake. In just a moment, we'll return to Mike Shane and his adventures. Friends, your automobile engine gets dirty inside as well as out. As your engine operates, bits of carbon, particles of dirt, drops of water and gasoline are constantly accumulating in the crankcase. 
As these accumulations build up, they form a sludge which gums up valves, sticks to piston rings, and otherwise interferes with the smooth, easy operation of your engine. That's why Union Oil Company recommends flushing out your engine from time to time with Cleanse Oil, the special solvent action cleansing oil. Cleanse Oil is harmless to your motor, but it penetrates quickly to every working part, cutting sludge away swiftly and cleanly. Then, when the Cleanse Oil is drained out, the sludge flushes out with it, leaving your engine clean. And with a fresh supply of pure paraffin-based Triton motor oil, you're all set for hundreds of miles of clean, economical engine operation. Just drive in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask the Minuteman for Union Oil Engine Flushing Service. Thank you. Why, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for that engine oil service from Union Oil. I've worked hard to get that to you. Yeah, Ventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, June 18, 1945, The Investment in an Invention is the name of the uh, episode. Wally Mayer, and it's interesting because Wally Mayer was on a lot of shows. I mean, he was a, this is the only show that I can think of that he was the star of, but he was a supporting actor in tons of shows, including Suspense and Escape, The Whistler, and he always, almost always played a bad guy because he had kind of that, Bad guy voice, you know? Like you. you know, when I do that yeah. <laughs> that kind of voice, you know what I'm saying? I don't. And I was always surprised that they cast him as Michael Shane on this series. Because when you listen to him, I mean, he's good. He's really good. He's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. But he doesn't have that good guy mm. voice sound that you would think yeah. you'd cast, you I know? I know what you mean. He has that kind of a gruff, mm-hmm. kind of a bad guy sound, and Got he an made a—he yeah. really made a uh, a career out of playing bad guys on suspense and all these different shows. Anyway, Kathy Lewis, who was one of the best supporting actresses, and she played um, on my favorite—I uh, should say, my friend Irma. She was uh, Jane Stacy. Kathy Lewis, who was married to Elliot Lewis, um, was on everything. I mean, she was just a Big supporting actor, and she had a nice uh, second role here, a second banana, as they say, on the show. I'm eating a and banana. And that's what we have here. <laughs> I'm eating a banana. That's why I thought of that. Uh, all right, we'll get back to Michael Shane, June 18th, 1945, right here on Hollywood 360. Um, yeah, it's called Investment in an Invention, sponsored by Union Oil. From uh, Mutual Broadcast. We'll get right back to it. Stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co 
co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. This is Hollywood 360 across 200 plus radio stations coast to coast. American Forces Radio all over the globe. My team here, Lisa Wolf, Mike Bubblebath Costella. And uh, we are here every Saturday bringing you a five-hour program. If your station cannot carry the five hours for whatever reason and you'd like to get a podcast of the show, Go to Hollywood360radio.com, sign up for the podcast, and every Monday you'll get sent the full five-hour show, plus our Radio Rarities podcast. Lisa and I co-host. Carl Shadow writes it. It's pretty darn good. And Mike produces it, and it's pretty darn good. And um, I'm not uh, understating that, am I? Understating? Yeah, or, I don't think or you, overstating. I don't think you understand. Am I under anything. or overstating it? You tend to be a little dramatic, but it is a great show. So I in this dramatic. case, it's it's honest. But sometimes you tend to go a little <laughs> over the top. <laughs> I'm a bigger than life kind of a person, or larger than right, life. or larger than life. One or the other. Well, same thing. Big, it is. large, same thing. Big and large. Same. Are same those the adjective. stores that you that you frequent? The it's big an, and large. The big store? And li- yeah, I'm getting there. Yes, I'm yeah. getting there. Yes, I am. We're listening to The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, June 18, 1945. And uh, this was a show starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. It's called Investment in an Invention. Here's the conclusion. The murdered Mr. Hess's overcoat, umbrella, and glasses have been found. Mike, Phyllis, and the inspector are in the inspector's office at headquarters. The sergeant enters. Here you are, sir. Coat, umbrella, and glasses. Oh, the glasses aren't broken. Thanks, sergeant. Let me see them, inspector. Ooh, wow. What? Pretty strong lenses. Yeah, if he needed glasses like these, he couldn't go very far without them. Yeah, that's just what I was thinking. This is the umbrella, hmm? Hey, you, uh, you got a magnifying glass, Inspector? Sure. Did you find something, Mike? Uh, question, maybe. Tell me, Sergeant, which pocket did you find the glasses in? It's in the report, right-hand pocket. Mm, I see. Inspector? Yes, Mike? Would you mind calling Miss Hess? Find out if her father was left-handed or not. He was left-handed, Mike. She told me that when we were driving out to her home. I was asking about his habits and so on. Uh-huh, I thought so. Here. You see the finger marks on the umbrella handle? Mm-hmm. They're on the left side of the handle. The thumbprint is on the right. Mm. And the glasses were in the right-hand pocket of the overcoat. Yes? A report from Harbor Master says that prevailing currents would never wash umbrella and coat that distance. Mm. The Harbor Master says there's a strong eddy and they were probably thrown in the water only a few yards away at most. Thanks. Oh, it doesn't tell us much. Hmm. Only that the murderer threw the coat and umbrella into the bay about ten miles from where the crime was committed. It only goes to substantiate murder. We already know that. Maybe we better have in Hackett and Carter. Okay, Inspector. Yes, Inspector. Send in Hackett. Yes, sir. Any ideas, Mike? Yeah. Same as you have. Added together, they don't make much, do they? Sit down, Mr. Hackett. Thanks. 
Tell us, what do you know about this business? I don't know anything about it. You were in on the business discussions? Certainly, but I hardly think they had anything to do with the murder. Well, we have to start somewhere, you know. Well, then why don't you start with some of the men that Tess quarreled with? Hmm? Well, I happen to be one man with whom he never argued. You're suggesting Mr. Carter? You're supposed to be the detective. Hmm. Ah, but you're doing the hinting. Carter wasn't the only one who hated Hess. Well, if Carter hated Hess, why did Hess invite Carter into the deal? Hess didn't know that Carter hated him. Well, you're not suggesting that Carter had anything to gain in this venture. That is, by uh, by Hess's death. I'm not suggesting anything. It does seem to me, though, that uh, many people had plenty of reason for killing Hess. Some men hated him. They could have killed him out of anger or revenge. Why look for some financial gain as a motive? We're not. As far as we can see, no one gained anything by Hess's death. Except his daughter, who will inherit a pretty penny. Oh. Again, uh, are you suggesting that Miss Hess didn't get all the money she needed from her father? She got all she needed, but not a cent more. Hess was tight. A nickel had to reproduce itself in 12 months or else. And you can't help us any more than that? No. I see. Well, ask Mr. Carter to step in on your way out. Thanks. There's an unpleasant character. Yes, but unnecessarily so. He pretty well removes any doubts as to what we might th think about money being the motive for murder. Oh, I'm not buying that, Inspector. In its entirety, anyway. Oh, but nobody has anything to gain by Hess's death. Sit down, Mr. Carter. Thank you. Tell us, what do you know about this business? I'm afraid I don't know anything about it. You were in on the business discussions? Oh, yes, but I doubt if they had anything to do with the murder. Well, we have to start somewhere, you know. Yes, I realize that, and I'd start if I had any ideas. Uh, Mr. Carter, did you ever quarrel with Hess? Quarrel with him? No, I've often disagreed with him, but I wouldn't call it quarreling. Would you say he had many enemies? Oh, good land, no. He was very businesslike, very brusque. Not at all approachable, if you know what I mean. A man of opinions? Oh, definitely. But he respected other men's opinions, too. And the Monday night meeting was held at Mr. Hackett's house, hmm? Yes, Hackett's was the most centrally located. Besides, neither Hess nor I like to conduct business at home, and Hackett doesn't mind. You get along all right with Hackett? Certainly, I understand him. His bark is worse than his bite. Oh. He's really a very nice fellow. The last you saw of Hess was at Hackett's house, huh? Yes. You made no future appointments with him? No, except the one for Wednesday night. Oh, wait. Yes? Come to think of it, I did say as I was helping him on with his coat that I might see him Tuesday at the club. But you didn't? No, because I didn't go to the club. I was detained on business over in Oakland. I see. And you can't tell us anything more? I'm sorry, no. Thanks a lot, Mr. Carter. We'll call on you if we need you. Well? Not much help. I disagreed. What? What? He was a great help. I can't see a suspect in the whole bunch. No, nor can I. All we have is a murdered man. You want me to prove that the murderer is one of the four? Yes, but you can't. One of them lied. Which, Mike? That I don't know, honey. If I did, we'd have the murderer. But that doesn't alter the fact that one of them lied. Well, it is true that Hackett's description of Hess's character is very different from Carter's. But I'd hardly call that lying. Oh, I'm not talking about that... Uh... Inspector. Yes, Mike? Ask the sergeant if Carter and Hackett have left the building yet. Yes, Inspector. Have Carter and Hackett left yet? No, sir. They're standing talking to Miss Hess and Belsey. Good. Uh, tell them Tell them we've got a lead and that Mr. Shane would like to see Miss Hess at her home alone in about 30 minutes. Did you get that, sergeant? Yes, sir. And uh, see that they all hear it. Yes, sir. Right away. What's the idea, Mike? The murderer has left plenty clues. Oh, I don't know what they are, then. 
the coat and the umbrella being found so far from the murder. Yeah. The eyeglasses in the right-hand pocket of the coat. Mm -hmm. A deliberate falsehood. One says Hess was wearing his coat. Another says he was not. One says Hess was argumentative. Another says he was not. So what? They're clues, but they don't lead us to anywhere. Right, Inspector, right. So we trapped the killer. Go on, I'm waiting. The killer's clever, Inspector. Very, very clever. He's covered his tracks beautifully, yet... Yeah? Mike? Yet, like every other killer, he made mistakes. We have found some of these mistakes, but we don't know who made them. So we're pretending that we found a lead. The killer will worry. And try to find out what we know, thereby making another mistake. One that will point the finger at him, huh? Right, Angel, right. Now we'll go to the Hess place in my car. I'll drive, and you two keep out of sight. In the back, lie down on the floor. I've got to have the killer believe that I'm meeting Miss Hess alone and that there are no witnesses. Look, Mike, I... I don't like that. Why not? Well, you're practically inviting the killer to take a pot shot at you, using yourself as bait. Mike Shane, I didn't catch on at first. Well, you're not going to do any such thing. Yes, I am. I'm going to catch the killer, and you can help or not. Now, come on, come on, out the back way. I'll drive my car into the police garage, and that way no one will see you two getting into it. Mr. Shane. Oh, I can hardly wait. What have you found? Are you all alone? Yes, except for the maid. No phone calls? No, not a thing. I just got here a few moments ago. No one followed you? Not that I know of. Now, I'm going to look around the driveway here for a minute. Will you please uh, go to the back door and let the inspector and Phyllis in the back way? Yes, of course. No soap, eh, Mike? <sighs> Apparently it didn't work. Well, I'm just as glad. I can't see any profit in catching a murderer and losing my boss. You expected the killer to follow you. Maybe shoot you because you said that you had found a lead. Well, that was the idea, Miss Hess. But it didn't work. Hello? Inspector there? Yes. It's for you, Inspector. Yes? Just got a report from the surgeon. Yes, Sergeant. The surgeon says Hess was killed Monday night or Tuesday morning. The body's been in the water at least that long. Mike's attempt at tricking the murderer into disclosing himself has failed. Now, Mike, Phyllis, and the inspector are walking into a well-known cafe on Geary Street. Well, we'll soon find out whether or not that nice inventor, Belsey, was telling the truth. My guess is that we will. Really? Why do you say that, Inspector? If Belsey had killed Hess on Monday night, he wouldn't try to establish an alibi for himself by saying that he saw Hess in this cafe on Wednesday. <laughs> Why not? You can't tell me that he's so dumb that he thinks we wouldn't check on it. Well, we hadn't tried to check on it so far, and the only reason we are checking is because the autopsy surgeon says the body's been in the water since Monday. We would have checked before the case was closed. Ah, uh, perhaps, Inspector, perhaps. But supposing the body hadn't been found for weeks, then the autopsy surgeon couldn't have told the approximate time of death with such closeness. No, that's true. And the murderer probably figured on it being some time before the body was discovered. 
Uh, in fact, he came darn close to a perfect crime. What do you mean, darn close? It is a perfect crime so far. It won't be. What? Oh, I know, I know, I know. I laid one trap and it caught no fish, but we'll get him, Inspector. Well, look, kids, here's the door. Now, who goes first, or do we discuss traps, fish, and Mike's failure standing on the sidewalk? I'll lead, Phil. All right. There, there's the manager. Yeah, I see him. You wish your table for three, sir? Uh, no, thanks. I'm from headquarters, and I want to ask a question. Headquarters? Yes, yeah. sir. Can you recall seeing a gentleman in here last Wednesday? He'd be wearing a dark blue overcoat, carrying an umbrella. It's got a carved handle, carved like an elephant. Yeah. So, you do know about him? Yeah, I even remember his name. It was uh, Hess. Why do you remember these details? The gentleman was much disturbed. Oh. He don't want nothing we have on the menu. Mm. He used to get a mad with a waiter. But um, how did you learn his name? Well, while the waiter was getting his order... Yes? A young man come up to me and he said, Did I hear Mr. Hess's voice a moment ago? I see. Mm? I said, I don't know. Mm. Who is this Mr. Hess? The young man said, he's always carry umbrella and he's aware of glasses. He did. And I said, oh, yes, sure. He's in the third of booth, but he's in a plenty bad mood. <laughs> and the young man laughed and walked down to the booth. That's all I know. Well, thanks a lot. Well, well, that about fixes an alibi for Mr. Belsey. Yes, despite the autopsy surgeon's statement that Hess was killed Monday. No jury's going to convict a man who can produce witnesses who saw them both on Wednesday. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, Mike? No, no, don't rush him, Inspector. That's Mike's thinking look, and it produces results. Honey, I believe I got it. Quick, quick, back to headquarters and have all the suspects brought in. Any results, Inspector? Yes, Mike. The boys examined the umbrella and found two different sets of fingerprints. So the umbrella had been handled by someone else besides Hess. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not conclusive by any means. Why not? A waiter or anybody could hand a man's umbrella to him, honey. They're working on the coat now. Uh, what about the eyeglasses? I was holding that one back, Mike. There are two sets of fingerprints on the glasses, And too. the two sets on the glasses are the same as the two sets on the umbrella handle? Yes, Mike. Then we've got the murderer. I think so. We have to do this in such a way that the inspector can obtain a conviction. Remember what I said about the jury? Yeah. Yes? Uh -huh. Send him in. Now, now remember, at the appropriate moment, I'll spring my story and you two watch like hawks. All right, Mike. Hello, Mr. <laughs> Sit down, all of you, please. I'm going to ask all of you for your fingerprints. It's a messy business, but nothing to it. Uh, why? Have you, uh, found something? Yes, we have, Mr. Hackett. Oh. Daddy's murderer. Yes, Miss Hess. Now, folks, I'll bring you up to date. Mr. Hess was murdered Monday night. Oh, wait a minute. I saw him Wednesday. You're going to stick to that? Well, certainly I'm going to stick to it. Mr. Belsey, I'll give you one more chance to get yourself out of the jam you're putting yourself in by continuing to lie about seeing Mr. Hess on Wednesday. Oh, but I tell you, I did. I'll explain. It's a matter of ordinary police routine to look for the person who last saw the murdered man alive. Well, yes, I know that. The autopsy surgeon says Mr. Hess was murdered Monday. You're insisting on putting the rope around your own neck if you continue to claim that you saw him Wednesday. But I did see him Wednesday, and the people in the cafe can prove it. <sighs> All right, Belsey. You asked for it. Miss Hess, gentlemen, here's how the murder was committed. Mr. Hess was hit over the head Monday night and his body thrown into the bay not far from the key system depot. The murderer kept Hess's coat, umbrella, and glasses. Go on, go on. You catch on quickly, Mr. Carter. The murderer then waited till Wednesday, and wearing Mr. Hess's coat, eyeglasses, and carrying Mr. Hess's umbrella, 
he made a point of making himself known at the cafe. He then put the eyeglasses in the coat pocket, the right coat pocket, which was a mistake because Mr. Hess was left-handed, but, but he put the glasses in the right-hand pocket, and laying the coat and the umbrella on the chair, he then made himself known to the manager as himself, looking for Mr. Hest, whose voice he claimed to have heard. Mm, clever. Very clever. Diabolical is the word, Mr. Hackett. The murderer then carried the overcoat on his arm, hiding the umbrella, and later that night threw them into a different part of the bay. But there are a few things that even soaking in the bay won't remove. Fingerprints. Right-hand fingerprints on the umbrella handle. Fingerprints on the eyeglasses. And, oh, yes, hairs on the inside of a coat collar. Yes, Inspector? Bring in the coat, Sergeant. Yes, Inspector. Actually, gentlemen, all we need is the confession. We have the evidence. The hairs on the collar, other than those of Hess, are the hairs of the murderer. And I know who the murderer is. Here's the coat. The hairs are on the report card. Thanks, Sergeant. Well, is somebody going to confess, or do we have to take all your fingerprints and specimens of your hair? Very well. I think we'll start with Mr. Belsey. That way we won't have to go any further. Uh, Why, you're crazy. You can't hang this on me. Okay, Sergeant. Okay, he's going to be stubborn. But take good care of him, won't you? You'll find he's the killer, all right. I've been racking my brains all the way home, Mike, hoping I wouldn't have to ask this question. Well, what is it, Angel? Well, all the evidence, if you can call it evidence, could have applied to any one of the suspects. Yes, Angel. Was it a good guess, or were you dead sure that it was Belsey? <laughs> I was dead sure it was Belsey. Oh, I admit I guessed about his method of operation in the cafe, but it was close enough. Well, I still don't know what single thing it was that pinned it on Belsey. That is, from your standpoint. It wasn't a single thing, honey. It was two things. All right, all right, then. Clam Shane, give. <laughs> well, in the first place, Carter said that he had helped Hess on with his coat at Hackett's house on Monday night. Yeah, that's why Carter was so excited in the inspector's office. He remembered that. Correct. And Belsley lied about it. He said it was a cold night and that Hess didn't have his coat. Ah, yes. And the second point? Well, the second is obvious, my dear. Hess had advanced the money to Belsey. Now, if Belsey didn't go on with the invention, then Belsey was several thousand to the good. Oh. I doubt if Belsey's invention ever existed. The whole thing was a clever confidence trick with murder thrown in. Well, I hope it teaches you a lesson, Mike Shane. Why, Angel? Why me? Just the trouble hairs on a coat collar can get you into. They don't have to be blonde, either. Tune in again next week at 8 o'clock for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Joe Forte as the inspector. Tonight's story was written and produced by David Taylor and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. 
This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. All right, there you have it. That is The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, June 18, 1945, The Investment in an Invention. Say that five times fast. Wally Mayer. And, you know, um, I was looking up uh, Wally Mayer, and uh, unfortunately, this poor guy died at age 43. Gosh, very, very you imagine that? Yeah, we don't even know exactly why. He was in the prime of his career, you know, 43 years old. You're, like, hitting your stride at 43. He was being employed on tons of radio shows, working actor, did movies, was doing animation, just like a really, really popular, and it just says, passed away at age 43. Oh, my gosh. Terrible. Anyway, uh, that is the, uh, not not to bum anyone out or anything <laughs> like that. Sorry. Yeah, he died in, in uh, 1951 at age 43. Um, anyway, he did a great job on the adventures of Michael Shane. And speaking of Michael, didn't you want to talk about Michael Jackson? I, Carl, I am so thrilled to Tell are all you? of our listeners. How thrilled. thrilled are you? Well, it's a thriller of a show. Okay. Uh, it's Michael Jackson, the musical. Mm. It's the first national tour. It's part of the Broadway and Chicago series running through September 2nd at the Nederlander Theater in Chicago. And this really celebrates the king of pop. So um, we get a little glimpse into his... Uh, well, it's set in 1992, actually, and focuses on Michael Jackson as he's rehearsing the launch of his Dangerous tour. Mm. And so um, we really get a glimpse and starts in uh, him as a child, and we see him as a teenager and as an adult. So it's kind of in three parts. And mm-hmm. wow, that's all I can say, Carl, is wow. I can wholeheartedly recommend the show, the, his voice. Um, his moonwalk, um, but but larger than that, we've got the choreography, the staging, the lighting. Um, this is a national tour. It'll be going over, across the country after Chicago. Check it out. What's it I called urge again? you to go see it. Michael Jackson, the musical. All right, check it um, out, everyone. Go to uh, broadwayinchicago.com. And, of course, the show starts out with Beat It, and um, you really can't beat that show. All right. Time for this month in music history. All right. We're doing something a little different. We're going to the 1980s and doing a different year each hour. We're starting with 1980. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? Well, maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. That's my buddy, Billy. That's my buddy, Billy. What's the name of the song? Um, it's, it's it's just rock and roll to me. I'll take it. It's still rock and roll to me. Billy Joel, written by Billy Joel, released on his album Glass Houses. Spent I had two this weeks album. at the top of the chart. I did too. Nineteen eighty. Wow. What a year. All right. Thanks, Lisa sure. Wolf. Gotta love Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. And Billy, if you're out there, you want to call in and just chat with us. We'll be happy to hang out with you anytime. <laughs> Come by. All right. Thanks. We'll be right back. Stick to More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right. In our next hour, we're going to tune in to a Western adventure of Frontier Gentlemen starring John Daner from 1958. 
But we're going to need a caller, right, Lisa? That's right. Uh, we're going to play Beat the Host. It's all about Ringo Starr. Ooh. Uh, born July 7th, 1940. He's 83 years old. It's all uh, true or false. Ringo. So give us a call at 312-642-5600. Be a caller number nine. Yeah, and I'm going to do the whole thing in an English accent. Oh, no, please no. Yes, ma'am, I'm going to be like this the whole and, time. And don't call me ma'am. <laughs> ma'am, I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be doing the whole thing like this. Oh, I'm so sorry about oh, this, gosh, you guys. Oh, gosh, I hope not. I feel terrible. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.